unique podcast taking you behind the badge. Unbelievable stories exploring the day in the life of a first responder. 911 is made possible by Carlos Bail Bonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates, fighting for those that have been denied disability, life, long-term care, and health benefits nationwide. Now, here's your host, DeMarlin Dean. Welcome to 911. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm your host, Demarlin Dean, and today I have another first with us today. Now, I have interviewed a female before, but this is the first female police officer or former police officer that, I, that I've interviewed. So today, my guest is Miss Pamela Hopkins, and not only is she a former police officer, but she's also has a very interesting current career now that we'll talk a little bit about. So you have to stay around and hear about that, but he, she spent nine years um, as a school resource officer and dare officer, um, being a police officer for a total of thirteen years. So we got some some stories we're going to hear about that. We're going to learn about um, what she's into now and share that with you. So um, as you know, we'll hear from our sponsors really quickly, and then we'll be right back to talk with Miss Pamela Hopkins. We'll be right back. Do you want a home or multiple homes? If the real estate market in your area is anything like it is here, then you could be sitting on a pile of cash. But selling a home can be very overwhelming. But not if you call my friends at Freedom Venture Properties. Whether you're interested in selling your primary home, a family home, or investment property, Freedom Venture Properties makes it easy. They can buy your home in four easy steps, stress-free, and no need for cleanup or repairs. You just walk away with the cash in as quick as seven days. That's right, seven days. So go online today and get your cash offer at freedomventureproperties.com. And that's not limited to just the Chattanooga area. You can call them about a property anywhere in the United States. That's freedomventureproperties.com. Welcome back to 9-1-What. Pamela, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely wonderful. So congratulations on being my first female former officer on the ship. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your your time and in interviewing me and, and uh, you know, all that good stuff. It's great to see you and I'm proud to be on your show. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to have you here. So, yeah, you're representing the ladies, so you can't uh, you can't let them down. I'm, so I'm going to try not to. Yeah, that's a large order. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I told I said a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are and where you've been, what you've done. But go ahead and introduce yourself in your own words and tell us a little bit about your history. Well, uh, my name is Pamela Hopkins, and I am a former police officer for two different agencies here in Arkansas, uh, Jacksonville Police Department for four years and Sherwood Police Department for nine, uh, a little over nine. And um, got out of law enforcement uh, a long time ago. Now it's been gosh, 10 years ago, and I've had two careers since then. I was uh, went back to, to school and got my master's degree in teaching because I loved the school so much as an SRO and DARE officer during that time that I went back nice. and decided that I wanted to teach and got my master's degree in uh, in teaching and then eventually moved on from that, and now I'm a full-time musician. So 
Yeah, man, I'm going to have to stop bringing on people that are so much smarter than me. And now here I am with somebody with a master's degree, a teacher. That, that, like, that's, that's loose. <laughs> <laughs> All that means is I know how to write papers. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading here. I'm really jealous. I'm reading here in your bio, bio. You said you're a musician, but you're much more than a musician. Tell me all the instruments you play. So I play uh, five working on six instruments. Um, I started off long ago on the cello in elementary school and learned a little bit of piano growing up through junior high and high school and then sang in the choir and went to college on a orchestra and choir scholarship and uh, got out of music forever. Obviously got married, went to the law enforcement career, um, became a teacher. And then so piano cello then um from the current job that i do which is i'm a dueling piano player so i'm a house player yeah so and i try to get to do that so i play with other musicians but on that job i learned how to play the drums the harmonica the bass which the bass is similar to the cello so it's just sideways that was easy to learn um and then i'm learning uh, acoustic guitar so yeah trying yeah, to learn I officially them all. hate you <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hate you so if i ever meet you in the person play. i hate the game <laughs> I'm breaking the fingers. No, I'm actually a drummer. I, I've, oh. I've played drums all my life, um, and now I play bass. So, well, I, um, I say I play drums. I, I can keep the beat. <laughs> I can. Well, I can do I, a lot of drummers fills. can't. Right. I can do some fills, and I can, I can stay in the pocket pretty well. I try to watch uh, when when we're doing our dueling piano gig. You know, I sit across from another piano player, and if they say I need drums on this, then we get up and we cover the drums on it. So, I guess I've played for thousands of people coming and going through the club at times. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've just learned how to do it through the job. The other players that you play with teach you. And so if they say like, there's a deficiency, they'll say, okay, like after the show, we're going to work on this. So I want you to work on this beat or this fill. And so there's still a few beats that I'm not great at and I'll give up. I'll be like, I'll just play the bass on this song. And I give it to another player and they play the drums and I'll play the bass. One of them's devil went down to Georgia, keeping that kind of train. I can't do it. Keeping it going. No, no, I would speed up and slow down, speed up. It would be bad. Yeah. But I play yeah. the bass on it. I can, I can be Johnny. Doom, 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 okay. doom, doom, doom. Not Johnny the Devil. <laughs> the Devil. I've not tried to play the bass on that one. I, I'll pull it up and see what I can do. But that's that's really cool. Yeah, I there's, a, there's a, people that can play all those instruments. There's a badass bass line, uh, and the fiddle plays it. I think, or you know, the, uh, I don't know what plays it, but it, it's it's a badass bass line. You when you hear, it, you'll it be out. like, mm, it's fun. It's a fun bass line. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So what, um, why did you get into police work to begin with? Honestly? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. My husband, um, at the time, which he was not my husband at the time, actually, well, when I just, let me start over. Is, is, okay. He's my husband now. <laughs> he's my husband gotcha. now. Okay. So I was in college and I had graduated college in May. We got married in August. And at the time I have a degree in psychology. And there wasn't a better job basically um, out there that paid. And this one didn't pay well. It was like $9 and 20 cents an hour. It was horrible pay. <laughs> We're like the lowest paid apartment in the state. Um, anyway, he had become a police officer before we got married. So I met him in college. Um, he dropped out of college and became a police officer. And I would ride along with him every now and then. I was like, well, this kind of seems fun. Maybe I want to do this. You know, I like to help people. And my degree is mm-hmm. in psychology and, and my minor was sociology. So it kind of fit along with that. And I asked him, you know, basically after we got married, when I couldn't find a better job, I was like, do you mind if I apply? And he was like, I don't care, whatever you want to do. And mm-hmm. so I applied in, uh, I think it was like September. So we got married in August. I applied September, October, and I was hired in January. Man. And, uh, yeah, I went to the police academy in March and 
and went from there. A little bit after that, I became a DARE officer and you know, got moved from patrol to, to SRO DARE and then became one of the, the presidents over our DARE association here in the state of Arkansas and became a DARE mentor, which meant I got to train other officers in the state to be DARE officers. And sometimes I would go out of state and also do training for other officers out of state. So um, that was a fun time of my life. But that's kind of how I got DARE. Um, and mm-hmm. I felt like at the time, once I got into that job, that I just fit. Like, that's where I was supposed to be. So that's where life was supposed to take me. Um, it never was a resistance. In other words, I never felt like this is not for me. I mean, it was mm-hmm. always like the calls I would take, the people I would meet. Um, I felt like I'm supposed to be here, you know, in, at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's gotcha. kind of how I, I've lived my life uh, ever since. It's just, you know, if I made a career change, it's, it was just time for me to go from one career to another. And that's where I fit, you know, so I always kind of followed my passion. I was never one of those people that were, it was like, you know, I've got to stay here till I retire. I'm right. not going to be miserable doing anything. If I'm miserable, right. it's time for me to go. Because if I'm miserable, I'm going to make you miserable. And Absolutely. And, and if you're miserable, being a police officer is not what you want to be doing. No. And, and you know that with that job, there's a lot of things that, that happen that wear mentally on an officer. And um, when I started to feel that, you know, I'd have to step back a little bit and uh, reevaluate. <laughs> I, I understand what I need to be doing. And, you know, I, like I stayed in it 13 years. So, yeah, I understand. Uh, it, it actually has surprised me as I've started doing this podcast, how many officers I've talked to that said that was the answer. How did you get into it? Uh, I needed a job. Yeah. That was the best job that I could find. Or I didn't even want to do it, but I had to do something. So I did that. Right. It turned out to, you know, obviously they love the job. And, you know, a lot of the times uh, during the show, we talk about the 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 mental stressors that, and a first responder, not just police, you know, the dispatchers, the EMTs that you guys go through. And, you know, full disclosure, y- you, you know, you even shared with me that when, um, you know, I gave you the question questionnaire, you shoved a lot of that away. You don't want to you relive a lot of that. Right. And um, that's a real trauma that first responders have to deal with somewhere or another, whether it's, whether it's to push it aside, try to forget it, suppress it. Um, or, you know, counseling or whatever. I know we talk a lot more about mental health now, um, which is great because, you know, before it's just like, you just got to be tough and suck it up. And that's not good for anybody. Right. It was a stigma with other officers. Oh, you're weak. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I mean, even back when I was doing it, I started in 98. So um, that was, you know, a, a big thing, not necessarily more for females, but especially the guys in the, in the, in the job, you know, sure. we had um, a really traumatic event happened at our police department where one of our officers uh, committed suicide out back um, mm. of the jail, like pulled his gun out after court one night and, and shot himself in the head. And, um, and that's happened twice at that police department. My it's goodness. not funny, but it's one happened a couple of years ago. Um, and the other one was, I want to say maybe in 2000, cause I was there. How big, that the, one. How big was the department? That department. Uh, I mean the, the town, it's Jacksonville, Arkansas. So, I mean, you can look it up. I mean, Google mm-hmm. it and you'll see uh, both officers uh, that did it. But I want to say the town's only like 30, 35,000 people. Oh, it's, wow. it's where the um, the Air Force Base is here in Arkansas. It's Little Rock Air Force Base. And so it's a it's a military-based town. And I want to say the amount of officers, and they have 100 officers, maybe a little bit more. Man. Not, not a whole lot compared small. to big no. cities. But no. the city that I ended with was uh, Sherwood police department. And we had, I want to say like 75, 80 officers. We were full staff. We were a little bit, Mm -hmm. a little bit smaller, but not, I mean, similar. It's just the next city over. 
Yeah, it's similar in size. So, Man, that's a lot. And I know right now that's that there's a lot of focus on that. I think so far this year, the last number I saw, which was about a week ago, was we were up to 94 officers this year that have uh, committed suicide. It's, you know, so it's, 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 it's sad. And, you know, we all, I remember when that happened, they brought in a counselor for all of us, you know, to do like a group therapy session. And of course, you mm-hmm. know, if anybody felt it, it's just, you were still real, real weird about talking about these things in front of other people. And I remember thinking, you know, looking around the room and just being like these people, I mean, there were people were grieving and, you know, the, the situation, he had a bad home life at the time going through divorce, had a girlfriend that didn't want him at the same time. And he just was like, well, if I can't have you, I just take myself out. And, uh, it just seeing things like that, not only your only fit, your fellow officers, but you know, your fellow officers, but going up on calls like that and Mm -hmm. it being like a very traumatic event that, you know, I even tell people that ask me, you know, I, I joke about being an officer and they'll, Hey officer, you know, they'll say, and I'm like, that's the, the funny parts of the fun parts of the job, but the, the, the true part of the job and what people don't understand is the things that they carry home with them every single day and how that affects them. And then, you know, a lot of divorce rate, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. in, in law enforcement, uh, I've been with my husband 26 and a half years, almost 27 years. So, and he retired 2017 in law enforcement and I, w- I got out 2011. So. Okay. You got in just as I was getting out. I, I well, I was, I was on until about 95 full time. And then I stayed on until 90 end of 97, uh, as a reserve officer. And then right. they did away with the reserve program. So they kept so asking I got me to out come to make back. room for you. Yeah. Well, they, they got out. I mean, when I got out there, like, are you going to come be a reserve officer? Like, Hell no. <laughs> No, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. And my, my done. brother is still an officer at the same department that I ended in. My husband was there. I was there. And he, he's still there. He's a, uh, he's been in, well, he started right after me. So I started January 98. He started May 98. So he's actually going to retire out. So full retirement. Okay. All Which, right. you know, okay. <laughs> he's miserable. <laughs> He's like, no, I got two years left. I'm like, oh, you got two years. I mean, you, you know, you've been. Yeah, you may as well hold it out. He for, may only have, let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think he's got two years because he started in 98, was 25 years. You can get out at 25 and pull. So whatever that is. That is be. so cool. Yeah, two that's that's my biggest half. regret is all of my uh, classmates are now retired. So, I know, you're like, you know, I can it. be retired. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should have stayed. So I like one of your responses here, and I'd love to talk about some of this. We'll shift gears a little bit. Sure. I, you know, one of my questions is dumbest you know, top three dumbest criminals. And as you said, all criminals are dumb. That's true. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the dumb officers. <laughs> he was like, oh, can we talk about those? Yeah. So um, you, you mentioned a couple of uh, situations with uh, involving police officer making police officers making some pretty silly uh, decisions. So you uh, tell us about a couple of those. Uh, well, I mean, we talk about the criminal police officers. <laughs> well, you didn't mention those. We're talking about the, uh, the ones in the squad room. Oh, uh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Look at my gun. <laughs> Ow, shoot the TV. <laughs> so this, shoot the ceiling, shoot the TV, discharging a firearm inside right. the squad room. What are you, an idiot? Like, it's, it's like firearm handling 101. Uh, you know, but we've had another, I used to kind of make fun of my old sergeant and my SRO sergeant, because, you know, one of the, the big questions that kids will ask is, you ever shot anybody? You know, like it's a big, oh, you ever shot mm-hmm. anybody? And my sergeant used to say, yeah. And they're like, what happened? I shot the person that shot me. <laughs> he shot himself <laughs> in the leg. Oh, <laughs> what was the situation with that? 
Do you know? I don't know what I think he was. He, I, you know, I don't even know if he was pulling it out of. I don't know. Because it was before quick, I got have, there. Having, but having I was, fun doing quick draw drills <laughs> and you shoot yourself in the leg. Your, your gun's supposed to be empty. And you're like, yeah. you're a special kind of idiot. Like, yes. Yes. We're playing yes. with our guns and we need to make, you know, they are loaded. I don't really know. I don't know what he did. I just remember it, him shooting himself. I wasn't there. Like I was already, I was not past me, but it was before me. And he used to kind of mm-hmm. make fun of it because he shot himself in the calf. So he had Ouch. to do something with the draw. He had to be yeah. draw showing somebody like how fast I can draw, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Look how fast I can shoot myself. Right. Just done stuff. And, and you just, you gotta be, oh my gosh, like, in, in the squad room, yes, the TV's been shot. The ceiling's been shot. The air conditioner's been shot at the other house. Like, we had, like, a, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you get days off for that. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that was their angle. They were trying to get some days off. Well, you get, they're not those are days without pay, though. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those kind of days off. Yeah, it's the days without, you get a nice suspension with that. And, uh, you know, you get that, you get a write-up, and uh, it stays in your record. And, um, you know, you have to pay for what you damaged. <laughs> That is crazy. I'm just saying, that luckily, it never happened on my shift. <laughs> my goodness. Where I was a sergeant, had to deal with that, but like on another shift. Yeah, it, it's happened. I'm like, and you just shake your head. You're like, <laughs> what? What are you thinking? What are you yeah. thinking? You know, you tell me it's like an, an ID10T problem. You know, you spell that out, idiot. <laughs> ID10T. <laughs> you dumb. But, you know, I've had, I want to say, talking about dumb officers, you know, we've had, um, I remember my, (laughs) when I was a rookie, there was one of the FTOs and, you know, we talk about most, most of the officers that you deal with are in it for the right reasons and, Mm -hmm. you know, are trying to do the right thing. But I always tell people when they ask me like, well, but you know, cops can be dirty. I said, you know, I said, a good cop has a brain of both. Because they right. know how to catch it, they know how to catch a thief. Because right. they can think like a thief. That doesn't mean they are a thief. You hope. Right. But I remember right. my my rookie year. There was one of the FTOs had a rookie with them. Both of them went to, went to prison. I was like, again, idiots. Let's what do, were they doing? Okay, so they were doing um, midnight shift, and mm-hmm. they were pulling doors. And one of the schools left the door unlocked. Let's just take some computers. Why? So this was just a crime of opportunity. They weren't even necessarily, you know, oh, my goodness. But how do you talk another, how do you talk another rookie into doing that with you? Yeah. That's, I I was like, "Mm, somebody didn't do a good background check on these two. Yeah. That's, that's a special kind of dumb there. Right. And I'm just like, what? I mean, you just, at some point you just go, you know, well, it's a good thing. I mean, and they got prosecuted. I mean, they got caught and prosecuted and, and just as they should. Yeah, you know, a lot of people yeah. say, well, you protect your own. I'm like, no, if you're a bad egg, you got to go. You got to go. Yeah. Most, most of the time, you know, you, 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 you don't protect your own. Usually when you see protecting your own are things that are really borderline, um, you know, cause I, I don't, I never saw anything that was just blatantly like, oh, I no no way that should happen. But there's times when, you know, you might think in your opinion, all right, wait, maybe he's gone a little too far, but that's my opinion. It's not necessarily something that's cut and dry and that, you know, it's a gray area and that can be prosecuted. You know, it didn't go that far. And so in a situation like that, you know, a lot of times you're like, "Eh," you might pull them to the side, depending on if you have the seniority or the, the pool, you know, if you're a rookie yourself, you're not going to pull anybody, uh, a veteran officer to the side and say, Hey, you went too far. 
Uh, if you do, that'll be the last time you do it. Um, well, they'll blackball but, you and then you're not going to have a job. Yeah. Yeah. You, that, or you'll get hung out to dry on a call. You'll go to a call and you won't have any backup. Um, but I didn't see that. I, I didn't, I didn't see, you know, uh, witness people stealing, you know, just, just doing crazy see, stuff. I never did either. And people ask me to go, well, cops are this cops are that. And I'm like, you know, in my 13 years, the, the ones that did stuff like that, um, usually nobody was protecting them. It was, right. it was like, if, if they were, they were bad, they got caught early on. There were, you know, mm-hmm. some things like you said that you might question and go like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would. Exactly. Right. I I, that's not that. my style, but I know that's that person's style. And, um, I'm not going to lie if it comes down to it. I mean, if somebody says, or I've, you know, I've gone to a sergeant and said, you know, they were a little bit rough. You need to have to talk with them because it's mm-hmm. going to come back and bite the shift supervisor or whatever. Not my job as the shift person, but you might want to review the tape. You know, but exactly. I never saw anybody blatantly just try to be dirty. Right. You know, that's that's what I saw. I never I never saw or what I didn't see. I never saw anybody just being dirty. Right. You know, well, planting you know, evidence, you, you know, lying to convict. I didn't see it. <laughs> we all make jokes about drop guns and drop knives. <laughs> I never yeah, saw anybody yeah. do it. But you got your drop gun. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> What exactly? You talk about it, but no, it's never your, saw anybody do anything like that. And I'm like, do you carry one? What? Yeah. Like, now I knew people that carried extra extra gun. I did too. Uh, and extra gun, yeah. But it was it was for that reason. If they lost their service weapon somehow, got in a fight, needed to get to it yep. on the ankle, but never wanted. Hey, this is so I, I paid too much for that. Drop. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-mm. No, I didn't. Exactly. I didn't hang out with criminals enough to get one that wasn't registered. And I mean, I was like, I knew. I was like, I guess. A, it just wasn't me. And I never, I never witnessed that in the two departments I was in. Um, I never witnessed that. So that's what I tell people. I can only go on my observation and I tell people at the same time, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a very rare case of something happening that you're generalizing for everybody. And that's not fair because right. majority of the people we're just as scared to pull you over because we don't know what you have as you are when we pull you over. We're used to it. We're used to, you know, dealing with the adrenaline. We're used to dealing with, uh, you know, the unknown. Mm-hmm. And we're heightened. You know, we have our heightened senses. I said, but if you're just cool and you don't, you know, just listen to the directions and you're more likely that we're going to be cool with you, you know. Exactly. But us exactly. not being heightened can cost us not to go home. And, right. and that's your goal. You want to go home right. every night. So do you, as a woman, as a female police officer, do you feel like it was more challenging or less to be an officer? Uh, well, and I would almost, uh, it depends on the situation. You know, the academy I felt like was was more challenging just because, you know, physically, and we could talk all day long and sit there and be like, well, female equal. No, we're physically not. Um, Correct. I don't care what anybody says. We're not. And um, I could work right. out all day long and you could still probably kick my butt. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you a good, I'll give you a good fight. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to get scratched Yeah. You've <laughs> been in a fight, but you might win. Yeah. But I mean, I never was, was one of those to try to challenge a, a man and say, you know, well, I'm, I'm more of a badass than you are. Look what I can do. It was, um, it was harder. I would say back in, you know, cause I was, I got in in 98. So we didn't get the, you know, the respect probably that they get now as an, as an equal in the, mm-hmm. the career, mm-hmm. you had, you had to prove yourself and you had to prove that you could handle a call and that you could, you know, that you would get in there and fight with the officers, you know, not with the officers, but along with, if somebody's trying to fight an officer that you didn't back up and run, 
like a sissy, you know, don't be a sissy. Yeah. You got to get in there with us right. because, you know, it's all about all of us going home. And so you almost had to be like mentally prepared for that. And I would say for a woman <clears throat> in general, being more of an emotional person, mm-hmm. um, the good side of it is us bringing the softness to calls that near needed as well. You know, right. when the, the man has to be this, well, a woman can go in at a different angle. And so I'd say it's easier that way. Cause sometimes I would have it easier with, you know, even some of the rougher criminals that we would deal with, um, try to arrest them. I think we were talking about a little bit ago where mm-hmm. these guys, like we deal with, you know, when you're on calls, you deal with the same people over and over and over again. And, um, they go to jail, they're back out. They go to jail, they're back out. You know, there's, and you're just like, what to deal with this <laughs> asshole again, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we know. You know, these officers will know as soon as I get there, if I going to be on, go ahead and send me back up because he's not going to go to jail. Exactly. We yep. know he's drunk. We know he's beat up his wife again, or he's out screaming at the neighbors and trespassing on people or, you know, trying to take the neighbor's bicycle and ride around with it, whatever idiot thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you, you're called to deal with it because he's harassing people. And, you know, you have those officers that every single time they go, they're going to fight with this person because that person and, and this officer just don't, they clash. You know, I'm not going to jail and you're going to jail, you know, and they're yeah. harmless as far as like, they're not going to try to kill the officer, but they're not going to go down. <laughs> they're going to fight you. Right. Yes. Yes. They, 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 and they know it. They're planning on it. And that's, yeah. it's Somebody's like, you getting know. their ass whipped tonight. That's what yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got the officer showing up going again. Come on, dude. Not <laughs> again. Down. Yeah. Not again. <laughs> well, and I would, you know, like I said, we talked about this, and I'd show up on the call on some of these and I'd be the first one there. Of course, I'm waiting for backup because I know the history of this, this house that we're at and I'm waiting for backup. And then I approach and they're like, oh, you're a different officer. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I said, you know, and I would just talk to him like, I get you did why you did what you did. You know, I try to make it sound like it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Try to empathize did. with him a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I empathize with him. And it was like, how come you're so nice? And I'm like, that, I don't like that dude. I'll go to jail for you. I'll, you want me to turn around? I'll put my hands behind me. You're cute. I want to, are you married? <laughs> Not until I get your handcuffed. <laughs> we can talk in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I use it. Oh, Look, I was, I did not want to fight anybody. And I mean, I would, if I had to, but I, it yeah. wasn't what I went to work to do. I went to work to restore the peace. <laughs> right. Hopefully go home without any injuries. And, um, you know, there was a couple of times that I, that I did get injured, but you know, it just, it, it is what it is. It's part of the job. You know? Yeah, it is. And, I, and I'm similar to you, not that I'm a woman, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sales rep. That's what I do. And I tell people, they always ask me, how in the world did you get into sales when they find out I was a police officer? I said, the question is, how did I get into policing? Because I'd always been in sales. Right. But I still say my best sales was when I was on the police department. I mean, I had these guys convinced that I knew if we if it got down to it, they, you know, if they had any fighting ability, they probably would have just whooped my tail because they're so much bigger, stronger, whatever. But I convinced them that it's going to be to their best interest to go ahead and get in the car because, you know, it, it's not going to end well for you if you my, don't. My favorite thing was to say, uh, do the jail school. We're just going to process and get you to court, court day, but you got to go with me. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't going to keep you. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to keep you. You know, it's just a little. But, you know, you, and I would be like, you know, but you did, you did kind of break the law. And like, I just have to do my job. It's not personal. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have a thing against you. If I see you at Walmart, I'll say hi to you, but I'm just gonna let you know. I think a lot of it is, um, you know, we talk about, uh, officer differences, the difference between like a police officer, um, a, and police officer B is, is attitude. 
Um, mm-hmm. and what I would always tell when I was actually became a supervisor was treat people like they're human. Um, don't look down on them because a lot of times they, they've been looked down on, especially as their career, their people that are always in trouble, you know, the people that are always in trouble uh, for disorderly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you, um, treat them like they're human and like you have an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and speak to them on their level and not like you're better than them. You mm-hmm. will have better success at getting them to do what you want them to do, you know? And that's kind of how I approached every call. Like I said, I had to get in a few fights. Um, mm-hmm. Not many though, more with kids, yeah. which is weird. Really? Well, you were a dare officer, so well, I know, but my kids want to fight me. Like I'm that's, bigger than you. True. You're like 82 pounds. <laughs> that's true. I had a girl yeah, kick on my computer. I was like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, but you, what, you, you really hit on something. I mean, I think um, in the end, we're all people. We're all human beings, and we all want to be treated with respect. Right. And that goes a long way. I mean. Are there times, usually it's when alcohol or drugs are involved, that you just can't reason with somebody. But yeah, most no. of the time, if you treat people with respect, you usually get it back. And um, and you're right. You, you know, no one really takes it personally. I mean, it's like there's there's, you know, the criminals know that they're whatever they did. They're they're doing their job. And we're going to do our job is to catch them and take them to jail. Do you find it harder in a smaller town like that, though? Would you run into people that you arrested often? Or uh, not we had all? areas that we we dealt with. Um, I mean, a town of 35, 30, 35,000. I mean, you, you would still have, you know, that that house, that area mm-hmm. that they're fighting all the time. And that's where you would go. They got to know you. Um, and if you're patrolling and doing your job, I think to begin with, and you're getting out and you are talking to the citizens, especially in high crime areas. Um, I think if you build that rapport with, you know, some of the people there versus coming in and being like, I'm all Billy badass, which, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever a good approach. Um, I think building that rapport in those areas is, is important. And I think once you do that, then when you come through and have to deal with the situation, they're more willing to talk to you and understand why you're having to do what you do. Cause that's what, you know, the COP like you know, community officer policing, you know, when you would do computer, community in control, whatever it was called back then, we called it uh, community oriented policing. Yeah. So the COP, we called it COPP, a community oriented uh, policing and problem solving cops Okay, is what we called it. Okay. So okay. I was trying to get like the, the name been a while, been a while. I hadn't had to think about this stuff in a long time. Long time. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, back probably when you were doing it back in the 90s, I think some of those grants came out and they mm-hmm. were trying to get everybody to do the community police and they were, the, the, you know, the officers in the schools. And like I was in the school before I want to say Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. So that was 99, I think. I'm trying to think of it because I want to say we had Middleton Elementary here in Arkansas in the Jonesboro area. It happened, I want to say, uh, Columbine happened the next year. So I think it was 98 and then 99 was Columbine. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm thinking my years right, um, we were already in the schools and it was on that grant. And I think that, mm-hmm. they, you know, they were trying to do the right thing back then by putting officers in areas and building that rapport to help solve the problems before they became a bigger thing. And then the grants went away and police, police departments took them out. And yeah, then we yeah. end up with what we're, we're seeing now. And now they're trying to put all this stuff back into place um, at least in the, the department I came from, they're putting more in the COPPS. And I'm like, but why did we take that out? You know, they, they were like, well, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, obviously it does. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't measure what doesn't happen. <laughs> you can only measure if it gets better. 
Right. If you're present in an area and crime's not happening, you could say, well, in this area, crime's not happening as, as much. But when you take, you don't know until you've already taken them out and now crime is happening. Well, now you've messed Correct. up. Mm-hmm. You know, preventative, I think, is better sometimes than reactive. I mean, you're going to have reactive, obviously, because you're going to have to react to things. But preventative, I think, is always a good a good push the right direction, especially if we're trying to humanize the badge, as you say, and humanize police mm-hmm. officers and understand that we have families and we have, you know, lives and we feel and we, we you know, weep and we deal with things um, like everybody else does, you know, that right. we want to go home just like you want to go home. You know, I don't want to kill you. I don't, I don't think any officer that I know of that I've ever experienced goes to their, their work and says, I think I'm going to kill me somebody today. I mean, that's just not exactly. Okay. You got to be a special asshole for that. And I, yes. <laughs> it's yes. kind of evil, not saying that there's not one out of the million out there that is a little bonkers, but mm-hmm. you, that's in every career field and why police get such the bad rap for that, I guess is because we have the authority, you know, over people in general. But I mean, look at doctors that get sued for malpractice for screwing up. Nobody says that, right. you know, nurses right. who right. kill elderly patients because you know, that it's, it happens, but those things don't make the news because that's not what makes ratings happen. So we take something small and we blow it up and make it seem like everybody's doing it. Exactly. Like everybody's not doing it. You know, right. it's rarely happening, but that's my little soapbox. Sorry. Well, no, I understand. I understand. So that's a good place for us to take a quick little break. And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your experience uh, as a D.A.R.E. officer, some of the challenges maybe that you faced or some of the some of the good and the bad that you saw. And I'm going to have to get this story out of you at the group home that we talked about. So (laughs) so you don't want to go away. You want to hear this story. So we will be right back. (laughs) Listen up, friends. Do you or someone that you know? have disability insurance. I mean, the insurance that you buy through your employer in case you have an injury or an illness that prevents you from doing your job. And if you do have that insurance, good for you. Hopefully you'll never have to use it. But know this, if you do have an injury or illness and it prevents you from doing your job and you file that claim, the insurance company is gonna do everything they can to try to deny that claim. And if you find yourself in that position, you need to call Eric Buchanan and Associates. That's right, Eric Buchanan and Associates and put them to work for you. They will go to bat and fight to get you the benefits that you've paid for and that you deserve. You can call them at 877-634-2506. Again, that's 877-634-2506. Or you can find them online at BuchananDisability.com. That's Buchanan disability.com. Be sure and call those guys, Eric Buchanan and Associates. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to 9 what My guest today is Pamela Hopkins, and um, we've been solving the world's problems. And now we're going to talk a little bit about D.A.R.E. So most of your career, you're a D.A.R.E. officer. For the folks that may not understand exactly what a D.A.R.E. officer does and what that means, will you just kind of give us a synopsis of what what that is? Yeah, so a D.A.R.E. officer is generally an SRO, school resource officer, that learns how to teach um, the drug abuse resistance education program. Um, so we go to a specialized two-week training where we actually learn how to teach and how to 
um, relate to children and teach this curriculum that is, it basically informs them of, of different decision-making. A lot of things people think it's just about drug, you know, they'll say drug awareness. It's drug abuse resistance education, not drug awareness, whatever. They always mess up the acronym. Gotcha. But um, in this program, they're not only talking about like introducing like, hey, these are gateway drugs. This is what tobacco is. You know, these are things you should stay away from. It's like an informative. But they also mm-hmm. talk about how to be assertive and what decision making, um, making good decisions, how to make those good decisions. They talk about peer pressure. And I'm sure since I've been out of it, they changed their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they probably changed the curriculum some and <laughs> thinking again. <laughs> <laughs> he could hear you. <laughs> He's like, is that your husband? Anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, I digress. Just me like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mad at my business. Like, oh, what's all that noise? Okay, yeah. no problem. But, uh, <laughs> he, uh, so basically, in in that program, you're and you're also building that relationship with with children early on, so they know mm-hmm. you're kind of officer friendly, and we let them know that you know when there is a problem. Um, it's okay to come to the police. Don't be scared of us. You know, we're human. We are parents. We're moms. We're dads. We're brothers, sisters, cousins. We're friends. Um, and we're here to help you. So, you know, they started in the fifth grade and then they did a curriculum that went, I think, as early as like kindergarten, um, where you just go in and read, read books to the kids. And then um, in our city and in our state, we had another program that was called smart choices, better chances that we would teach in fourth grade. So we taught there in fifth grade, we would teach smart choices, better chances in the fourth grade. And it focused on Arkansas law. Mm -hmm. So we would inform kids like, you know, what is a misdemeanor? What is a felony? Why do you not want these things on your record? You know, how to be a good citizen. And so it's just another way to help number one, the teachers out because that way they don't have to cover those things. Um, where they might not feel comfortable and we are the experts in that field. So we would teach fourth grade, smart choices, better chances. And then we'd go start dare in the fifth grade. And then the dare moved its curriculum also to junior high and the junior high curriculum would focus on, um, like prescription drugs, like why we shouldn't, you know, take robitestin and come to school and <laughs> why we shouldn't take pills that our friends are bringing to school and why we shouldn't sell, you know, uh, our, our mom's medication. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Just kind of, you know, a way for, for students to also, like I said, relate to an officer day by day. I had, you know, people always ask me, how many kids do you have? And I said, well, I have three by birth. I have mm-hmm. a few that I've taken in um, that we helped raise um, that still call me mom. So if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see an assortment of adults now that are like, call me mom. They're like, you That's know, so awesome. I think I got 12 children or 13 children. That, <laughs> call me that mom is awesome. Yeah. Um, all, you know, gender, different genders, colors, everything. They, they don't care, mm-hmm. you know, because a kid is a kid. And that's what I knew them as when they were children. And I've loved them as an adult. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, they'll call me and they come into the club now where I work. And they'll, of course, this is kind of weird. I can always tell when, <laughs> when they knew me, if they call me Officer Hopkins or they call me Miss Hopkins. They call me Miss Hopkins when I was a teacher. They call me Officer Hopkins when I was an officer. Sometimes I, I don't remember. They've, I've, right. you know, I knew them. They're. 35 years old now because maybe it was yeah. my first year as an officer or second year as an officer. And I'm like, I don't remember this kid. I know their face, but they mm-hmm. still remember me, you know, right. and they'll be like, you were like my favorite officer, you know, you're my favorite person. Cause we go to all the ball games, you know, so we're there to support them. We ride the bus with them. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we, cool. we get to know, especially I was a middle school officer um, and I would go to the high school football games and the middle school football games and basketball games and all that stuff. And they get to used to seeing you there. And 
um, you know, Hey, do you like my, my dunk I did? And you know, you're always high-fiving them and tell them great job and just kind of being a positive influence on them in case they're not getting that at home, which a lot of them don't, you know, and that's mm-hmm. even as a teacher, you kind of learn that, that you may be their only positive light that day. So it seems like being in a role like that, that that could certainly set you, set you up for some huge disappointment down the road. I mean, people, Sometimes. kids that you've seen grow and you've been, I guess it's the same for teacher and you've been an influence you, and you see the light, you see what the potential is. Yeah. And then you read about them or you, you, you realize later that they, that they made a choice or were around some people that made choices that cost them dearly. Yeah. Sometimes their life. I know when I first became a, a resource officer my first year, we had, I was at Jacksonville, um, at the junior high and there were some kids that I became you know pretty close to because you, you get close to the kids, you know, a lot of times the good kids, I didn't know unless they were in sports or they said hello mm-hmm. to me or sat with me at lunch. I wouldn't know them because they had no reason to come and get to know me. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's just the officer. They go on about their business. You never hear from them. Kind of like the principal not knowing the good kids, you know, like, right. I know you, but I don't know you. You're, I just know you're a good kid. I don't have to deal with you. Yeah. You're not um, in my office all the time because you're in trouble. Right. So the ones that, you know, just like the officers, we deal with the, with the bad kids, you know, mm-hmm. the kids that are getting in trouble and, um, Several of them, you know, they'd be like, well, these are the trouble kids. You want to be in this area because they're the ones that are going to go in the bathroom and smoke dope. Or they're going to go, you know, beat up the kid in the locker room because they're thugs or whatever. And so my job, my my personal goal was always to be around them and get to know them and try to persuade them that they have a different choice. You know, um, hey, there's something what do you do want to do when you get older. You know, making them to try to see their future outside of the things that they go home to. Um, and even as a teacher, I did the same thing, but, uh, there were a few that you just know you're like, they're not going to make it out because they're not listening. Mm -hmm. And they, they go right back home to the same environment that they're portraying at school. And you can, and there's some, you see that light, you're like, Oh, I can just, I can just keep on. And there were, you know, like I, I think I wrote on my, my information form one kid, I was really close to because I had him sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. He went on to ninth grade because our high school was not through 12th grade. And -hmm. he was always in my office and he knew me very sweet kid to me. He just Mm -hmm. didn't get along with the teachers very well and would just be a butthole. And they'd be Mm -hmm. like, and so I would work a deal out with the administration. Hey, during this particular class, I'm just going to bring, um, and his name was Brian. I said, I'm I'm just going to bring Brian to my my office and he could do his work in my office. Mm-hmm. because I had a really good rapport with him and we would sit and talk and he'd do his work. If he needed help, I'd help him. And he hung out with these other kids. And one of them calls me mom. One of his friends still calls me mom and comes into the club and sees me. And he turned out great. And I tell him all the time how proud I am. I'm so proud of you. So proud to see that you're a productive citizen and you're not in trouble and you're not in jail. And, and I said, cause you did worry me, you know, I, yeah. I was worried about you. Um, this particular kid didn't make it out. And I had his older brother who, it, who did do well, um, mm-hmm. his younger brother I haven't kept up with because that's when I went back out on the, the street and went p- to patrol. So he was one that I had, I knew him as an elementary school kid, but as he came up to middle school, I think his, I had him the first year and he was getting into trouble and I was trying to kind of mentor the same thing. And then I got promoted. So I got moved out. So I didn't really keep up with him as much, but my last year as a resource officer and I, I would deal with his mom. His mom was a single, you know, single parent. And mm-hmm. she worked two jobs and I think she had some addiction issues herself. And 
try to counsel her as well, you know, right. <laughs> so she'd right. come in when he'd get in trouble. And I was like, you know, I, we need to, you know, we need to talk and we need to have this conversation. And she's like, well, it's just hard. I'm like, I, I know. I mean, I know I get it, but you know, you are the role model at home and I, I can only do so much. The school can only do so much with your kids. You have to also set that example and you're their mom. You right. know, they're, they're looking at you 16 out of the 24 hours a day. I got a mate. You got a 16. And then you have yeah. them on the weekends. So yeah. I can only parent so much. And then I'm sending them home for him to watch you get high every night. And that's not productive. That's not yeah. productive. So I need you to step yeah. up. And we would have these conversations. But this particular kid, when he got to high school, um, was hanging out with the other kids that I was trying to work for. But once like I said, once they went to the high school, if the officer up there didn't connect with them the way I did, mm-hmm. or if they just avoided it, like, hey, we, we understood skip school, whatever. There was nobody keeping an eye on them as much because they're high school kids. You know, Correct. yeah, and they're driving or they're like I said, skipping school or whatever. And he dropped out in 11th grade, him and this other kid. And, um, both of them, uh, I want to say it would have been their senior year. And both of them decided they were going to steal some four wheelers from the little house that was right down the road. And this guy had like maybe two or three acres of land right on the highway and the school was off on the highway and they went to the back and I guess the guy had had some other people stealing stuff from him and he installed cameras or some kind of alert system. I don't know, but he came out and just shot. He wasn't shooting at them per se, but he shot in that direction. And, um, Bryant got killed. I mean, they found him the next day, um, lying in a ditch and the other kid got away and went to the school cause he was running and he, I guess hit out in the woods cause the police came obviously. Sure. Um, yeah. Trying to find him. And this other kid went to the school the next day and he was all cut up and went to a classroom and asked all the kids if he could use the phone, use their mm-hmm. cell phone. And they did. And then he like got in a car and left. Well, of course they didn't at the time the kids in school, like what is going on? Cause they know the kid. I mean, he was supposed to be in school and he's like, my, yeah. I'm hurt. I gotta, I, you know, um, but they didn't know this had happened because this had happened on midnight shift. And this was the next morning because the kid had hit out, you know, but he went back to try to find, he, Oh, he couldn't get in the car because uh, Bryant had the keys in his pocket. Oh, so, my goodness. so they couldn't get away because he couldn't find his buddy. He couldn't go back because the dude was shooting at him. Man. Um, that man uh, ended up, I think also going to, to prison because he was a felon and had a firearm. <laughs> So, wow. Right. They, they, I don't think they really got him for, you know, shoot some out because he wasn't trying to, uh, they probably got him for manslaughter, but he got in trouble. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it'd be man, manslaughter anyway. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, you cannot buddy, shoot people for their property when they're trying to get away, people. Well, and he, yeah, he, but he said, I wasn't trying to shoot him. I was just shooting to get to scare him to get away. But he just happened yeah. because I think he was up on a deck. Mm-hmm. He says he shot up. He couldn't have. He, he shot straight ahead, and he ended yeah. up shooting him, basically. But that's my, the other thing, people. Forensics don't lie, right? Well, <laughs> and and my husband so happened. I of course I go to school the next day, not knowing this call went out because I'm on day shift. This is midnight. Mm-hmm. They don't, and I'm in the school, so I don't hear what goes on the patrol. But my husband called me. He was actually the um, on the shift uh, that found uh, Bryant and. Um, he called me because he knew I was real close to him. And he said, Hey, I'm working this, this thing over here. And there, this is what happened last night. Cause you know, he was on evening shift. I was on day. So I was already at work. He came in. This is what was going on while he came in the shift. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh man. And I was like, well, let me know if you know who it is. You know, he calls me back and he says, um, I can't tell you who it is, but because we have to confirm his identity. And I said, is it somebody I know? And he said, uh, yeah. And of course wow. I was like, 
you know, and then when he actually could tell me, I'm teared up now thinking about it. Yeah. When he actually could tell me, I just broke down and started crying, you know, and I was in one of the administrator's office because this, uh, this particular administrator also was real close to him because we're both, we're just trying our hardest to like, we see your potential. Yeah. We see that you can do so good and, and you're smart and you have these things. If you just think, mm-hmm. you know, and there was another teacher that was close to him as well. who had gotten him a job as I think like as a butcher at Kroger, and he got mad at the manager and quit. And that's when he went and started selling stuff again. Wow. And so it was kind of like, but yeah, it, 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 it wrecked my heart. It was so just like, I was like, I cannot believe this. And I mean, I just sat there and bawled and cried and I was like, I cannot believe this. Um, and the other kid, of course, I think he ended up going to jail for a little while. Um, he's on my Facebook. <laughs> I keep up with him too. <laughs> like you doing better now, you know, cause I mean, yeah. I, I try not to judge anybody for their past and I just want them to step up and do better. And to well, be, that's good. You know, that's and that's, good. yeah, but that was, that was heartbreaking. It broke my, it broke my heart. There's somebody walking in my house. Telling this just, <laughs> Be quiet. Interview. We're doing an interview here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm in my office. Yeah. And so it's like Grand Central Station. And I know, like I said, sorry, you can hear that, but that's see, okay. I'm just, like, wiping my tears <laughs> off now. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> we, we, that's, that's, that's all part of being an officer. Yeah. It's not just, you know, uh, a lot of the officers have said, when I said, what do you want the world to know? And, and most of them have said something very similar uh, to what your answer was. And it's like, we're not robots. You know, we have feelings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, you, you get, you, you learn people, you help people, you get close to people and it hurts when mm-hmm. they, when they, you know, when they get killed for something so senseless. Right. Um, so I, I, um, I am sorry you having to relive that. So I, I don't want to linger okay. I on probably that. probably need to think about them anyway. My heart probably needs that. So every now and then you need that good cry, but, okay. um, you know, it, it is what, there's a lot of, of other, you know, times that you have all, you know, kids come back and say, you know, it's because of you or the experience I had with you that I'm where I am today. And I've had you awesome. know, some successful kids. I say kids cause they're grownups now, but, go, you know, that time when I was in seventh grade and you didn't put up with my crap, you put me in handcuffs and, you know, scared the crap out of me. And I was like, I always say, yeah, I remember. I usually don't because if I did that, there's a reason, but it's been years. And they're like, you know, but that scared me enough to know that that's not the life I wanted. That's good. And I'm like, that makes it all worthwhile. Right. Right. So you hear that, you hear those stories. I hear more of those than the ones that, uh, <laughs> I hear those stories more than than the ones that that are the bad ones, you know. Which which I like, you know. Uh, and they come, I say they come in the club where I work. They do. It's so funny because they're coming in and they're you know having a beer. They're like, "Come here, I'll drive. Let's come over here. We buy you a drink." And that I'm is like, so awesome, though. <laughs> that is so awesome. Which that is probably why you received the Dare Officer of the Year. How'd yeah. that make you feel? Um, very special. I mean, cause I, I was, uh, you know, I worked hard for our state and for the program. I was a big proponent of it. And, you know, you have officers that were like, it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. I'm like, you can't measure what you can't measure that. Cause you don't know um, right. what we're doing. You can't measure what a kid didn't do because of what, it, what we're teaching them. Right. Right. Which That's you, it. You know, if they, they make right decisions, you don't hear about that because they made better decisions. Right. So it's and that's really, the, really, really, really like hard. Like we're talking to, about community yeah. oriented policing. You can't measure what didn't happen. Yes. You know, exactly. you can only go off personal testimony for a kid to say, you know what? I was exposed to that, but I remembered what you said. And I remembered, mm-hmm. you know, because I would always tell them, do your own research. You know, if you don't believe me, do your own research. I never want to tell you something false. So research and 
um, figure it out for yourself. You know, you can read, you can decipher things, and this is what we're learning in school. So do your own research. You don't have to just believe Officer Hopkins. You don't have to believe me. You don't want to believe me. I mean, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell you what could happen if you choose to go down this path and it's not a good path. It's, it's right. you can do so much more with your life if you just choose the right thing to do. And that's all you have to do. You know, life's going to be hard either way, but why would we choose to make it harder? That's exactly you right. Know, and it's choice. So all about making those good choices. And that's you know, it. You know, help give them that. some, give them some tools to make better choices is what it's all about. Right. So, all right, I'm not going to let you off the hook before we go to our last break. <laughs> I need to hear this story about the, uh, kind of the group home, uh, call that you got, um, I think you could describe it as a group home. Well, so in, in the city of Jacksonville, they, and I'm not going to name the, the organization because yeah, you don't, you don't have to put any names. They're, they're, they're a great organization. And, um, uh, but they service our, um, mentally, I would say mentally ill, mentally, mentally challenged. So they're going to, they're, if you know what MR is, um, which is what they say, uh, you have, you know, MR is mentally retarded. So you have an mm -hmm. IQ level, you know, they're mm -hmm. servicing the people in the community that are below a 70. So these are okay. people that um, are not going to hold jobs outside of being like, you know, a McDonald's worker, a barista. They're going to have very low paying jobs because their mental capacity cannot handle anything more complex. Sure. So they're barely living on their own. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that, you know, they're, they're, that's, they're just not going to be able to. So this particular community, um, they have like pods all over the city where they allow them to live in these like little apartments. Mm -hmm. and on their own and they have supervisors that are over the complex. So basically, okay, problem, yes. I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like an assisted living. It's assisted living. Um, like what you would think of elderly people that are able to still function, but might need some assistance. So it's not like a nursing home because these are people that like are their adults. So anywhere from 18 to wherever, but they don't live with their parents. They can do basic functions. They can hold a very simple job and they need help. So the state mm -hmm. has funding. This organization has funding. They also service like the Down syndrome people. The um, So you'll find some Down syndrome people that, that live in the communities or the autistic. Um, they just need help. So they want to sure. live on their own. They're able to take showers and microwave things and have a, have a life that's independent. But they need help. So this particular call, of course, I'm just driving around. I'm like, and I'm a rookie at the time. I'm fresh on the streets. I'm like, okay, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fresh out on my own. <laughs> and I'm patrolling my, my own business. And it is, uh, you know, 343 or 341. I was like, yeah, you know, go ahead. And it's like, I need you to, to respond to this address. And they give me an address off of uh, North First Street. And, they, and they're like, well, uh, make contact with John Doe. I don't even mm -hmm. remember the guy's name. Um, in reference to a possible sexual assault. And I went... Okay. Well, sounds pretty serious. Okay. So I pull up and they're laughing in the background. So I'm like, why is this so funny? Yeah. yeah why are the dispatchers so, laughing? Right. They're laughing their butts off <laughs> and you can hear them snickering. And I'm like, of course, I don't know. This is where I'm going. I'm thinking this is a house. I've never been to this place before. Didn't even mm -hmm. really know it existed. I thought, I literally thought it was like a nursing home. Like when I passed mm -hmm. by it several times, oh, it's a little complex, a little nursing home. And I pull up and there's a guy out there. I, I mean, he is I step out of my car. He runs up to my car and he's like, you're going to have to put an E on this for explicit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it, it, it shocked me so much. I was like, my eyes got real big and I was like, what? And I stepped out of the car 
and he runs up to my car and, and he's like, this guy put a dick in my ass. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I, cause I just told them I was there and they're laughing. They're like, mm-hmm. cause apparently that's what he said on the phone. Uh-huh. I need a police officer. This guy just put a dick in my ass. And I was like, and of course I've said, and he keeps repeating it louder and louder. I'm like, Sir, shh. <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> like, cause people are, you know, of course, luckily there's it's traffic, but we're not too far from the Walmart. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and I know he's loud. And, and of course I, I might start. To, he's like, are you going to do anything? And I'm like, I, I need you to calm down. And he's like, hair's messy and everything. Of course, here comes the supervisor out. She's like, what is the problem? Like, why are the police here? And I'm like, and he turns to her and says the same thing. And she's just like, and I had no clue about any of this. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think I need to do a report. Like, <laughs> do I need backup? I don't know. Like, where Everybody knows person? what's going on but me. What, what's going on here? <laughs> and I'm like, uh. Can you do I, I literally I called, you know, see, I called not CID, but I called um, the dispatchers. And I was like, uh, this is what's going on. And they're like, yeah, we thought you'd enjoy this call. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, she's like, it, it, we get calls from them all the time. And uh, sorry, you just you got the lucky draw. <laughs> and uh, so I go in there and I interview him. And of course, um, calm down. Tell me what's going on. And he basically, I mean, the long story short is that he invited this guy into his house and the guy just kind of asked him, Hey, can I, can I do this? And he was like, mm, sure. And he <laughs> pulls his pants down and lets him do it. And then I guess because they're not supposed to do those things in these complex, there's rules against it. And I guess they do training and talk to them like, we don't do this. This is not things we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't need people pregnant we don't need right you know and um i just remember sitting in his little apartment him going like what are you going to do about this and i went i was kind of like well sir you kind of let him like yeah <laughs> what can i do because I, I had to go through all the questions like well how did this happen you know like did he pull your pants down and he said no i pulled them down and i went did he hold you down no i've been over and i went <laughs> but it was just the shock because there was no he didn't it wasn't traumatic he just was like and of course talking to the supervisor after she said you know we do training on me with these people and i'm not i'm not trying to diminish what he's saying but um they do these things and then they feel guilty after or they think they're going to get in trouble so they want to tattle yeah. And I'm like, but you're tattling on the wrong person. Like you allowed it. Yeah. Like, who are you tattling on? Like, you yeah. want to come in? Sure. You want to put your ticket in my ass? Sure. <laughs> Here, I'll just make it easy for you. And I was like, <laughs> you try, it's, it wasn't like it, which, you know, if you've ever worked, you know, a rape case, that's not how a rape case goes. It's yeah, never yeah. that it's, it's, there, there was, you know, you, you would expect, um, on a normal, case that would be like that, that you would take a call on. There's some traumatic, you know, crying there's, and he was just like, just yelling it. Like, I'm like, do you want everybody to know this happened? Cause like you, but it just, it took me aback. Cause then I was like, <laughs> nobody does this. Nobody says this. Nobody yells this. And you That's know, crazy. That, yeah, it, 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 I, I hate to say it was funny. It was, it was, but it was in, 
it was just the, the whole approach of it and the fact that she was just like, look, we try to tell them not to have sexual relations with other people and they do it. And then they tell on each other and they try to get each other in trouble, especially if, if there's a beef between two of them, apparently. This oh, happens. wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like we're in an argument and like one day, but I'm holding a grudge and I want to get you in trouble. I'll just invite you over and have sex with you and then tell, and then tell on you. Tell on you. <laughs> that is crazy. But, right, we'll know, take one more. Is what it is. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about your music career. Now, if you've listened to my podcast much at all, you'll know that one of the things I try to impress upon you is if you find your situation being arrested by the police, do not fight. Just go ahead and take the ride and then call Carlos Bell Bonding to get you out. You're not going to win on the side of the road. So go ahead, take the ride, get bailed out and go fight your day in court. Call Carlos Bell Bonding at 423-475-6383. Again, that's 423-475-6383. Or you can look them up online and see all the amazing things his clients have been saying about him at bellbondsmanchattanooga.com. That's bellbondsmanchattanooga.com. Carlos Bell Bonding. Don't fight on the side of the road. Take your ride. Call Carlos and let him get you out. Small town people talking, not sure what they're saying. Word has it, I'm not their favorite. Feel the rise upon me, they're not sure what they see. My attitude and my confidence The way I wear my bling You don't like my hair Or the way I wear my jeans A little too tight But it feels right I'm okay with me I know who I am And don't you ever doubt it Think what you want Say what you will Cause giving a damn Don't go with my outfit all right. Welcome back to 911. Hey, I'm going to have to get some of that for my bumper music and just start using that as part of my intro and outro. I like that. Yeah, please do. <laughs> that is nice. So, how did you go from being an officer to pursuing a professional, not just a music career, but you're 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 trying to do this for real? Yeah. So, um like I said, being a police officer and um switched careers after I became a sergeant I guess I did it for about 13 months, but never got to see my kids. So I switched careers, mm -hmm. went to be a teacher and um, went to grad school and taught at the same time. And my parents, uh, my dad, who passed away a year and a half ago, but had come up with cancer. And I was trying to have enough time to take off with him and take him and help you know, him and my mom with the chemotherapy and all that stuff. And my mom was having strokes. I had a kid that was diabetic type one and I got two kids now that are type one diabetics, both my boys. Um, but when you're a teacher, you only have... Um, 10 days off a year uh, during the school year mm -hmm. with two type one diabetic kids and a parent that's sick. And then me being sick, I had appendicitis. One of my years I ran out of time. I was like, I gotta do something a little, you know, gives me a little bit more time off. So I found myself rep job um, mm -hmm. and working for Balfour and doing uh, 
I guess, yearbooks at the time. And now I do graduate sales to so do cap and gowns and class rings. But also just started having this burning feeling that I need to get back into music because I was in music, you know, um, before I became a police officer um, back in college. So basically I was like, you know, like I was saying earlier, once, once my passion is gone for something or something needs to change and my path is changed, I kind of throw myself all into it. So I basically went to a dueling piano bar with my husband. We were having a good time that night. And I was like, I'm going to get up and sing. I hadn't done this in a while. And they allowed me to get up and sing. And I was like, you know, I could play piano. I could do this. I could totally do this. Look how many tips they're making. Like I could do this. Wow. And I um, got with one of the guys and I said, uh, Hey, I, cause he was like, man, you can sing. And I was like, thank you. I said, I play piano too. And he was like, really? Well, come talk to me. Well, I, I kind of lied a little bit. I didn't play piano very well and hadn't played in like 20 years. <laughs> well, you didn't say you played well. <laughs> I did not say I played well. I said I could play. I there knew how to play some chords. I, uh, the thing that's different about this career that normal people say, oh, well, I can't read music. Well, I can read music, but I don't. I use my mm -hmm. ear. I do a lot of ear training and uh, when I play and there's grooves that you learn. So I started learning and I started learning all these songs and um, did it part time. The last year I taught and uh, the guy that I was working under that I was learning under, he's like, you know, we'd really like to make you full time. I think we could replace your teaching career pay. And so I just kind of quit that next year and went for it. And that's where it started. And um, the thing that I am blessed to do that normal, I would say, uh, artists trying to start out or artists that are independent that don't have, you know, labels behind them is that I'm able to have a house gig that pays me handsomely, <laughs> that pays mm -hmm. me well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a regular job for me and I can work on my solo career on the side at the same time, honing in you know, performing skills and learning how to deal with the crowd and getting the crowd involved in interactive stuff, which is what we do as dueling piano players. We're, we always do top 40 kind of uh, music from the fifties to today, all genres. And we try to figure out how to get you to sing along and how to get you to clap along. And we do a lot of uh, improv entertainment improv, um, uh, you know, comedy, Mm -hmm. um, on stage. And so we try to be funny and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> well, if I ever get out to Arkansas, we'll have to check that yeah, out. That please, sounds please cool. Do come. Um, basically doing the Julie piano thing and playing the top 40 and, and learning all these genres of music on how to play. That's where I learned all the instruments, the, mm -hmm. you know, the drums, the bass and all that was doing that particular gig. Um, about three, almost four years ago, three, three and a half, four years ago. Um, you know, I'd been working on everybody else's music and I was like, what do I sound like again? You know, I want to know what I, now that I've worked my voice out, I've learned how to accompany myself. What does Pamela Hopkins sound like? And started working on finding music that was original. So I would meet with writers and they would pitch songs to me. Mm -hmm. So my first EP, there's one song that I wrote, the rest were other writers. And then this next album that I'm putting out all the songs, but two on it, I wrote. So very nice. Who are yeah, your so the one you just did uh, is uh -huh. one that I, I co-wrote with two national writers. So, well, who yeah. are your, who would you say your influences are? They're all over the place, which is, uh, I mean, everything from, you know, I, when I think about, because people ask me this and I'm like, you know, I've done top 40, everything forever, you know? So mm -hmm. if you go like Etta James, Sam Cook, uh, Janice Joplin. And if you go country, Randy Travis, Reba McIntyre, um, Alicia Keys, like it's mm -hmm. all over the place. And so I kind of fit where I 
put my music most of the time um, in what I write and kind of the things that I like. I like a try to keep that off the microphone. <laughs> Forget, sorry. Um, okay. I, I try to. I think where where I feel at home a lot of times is either a slow ballad mm-hmm. or like a classic rock influenced country. I don't know how, how you would say it, but like the song you just played is, is kind of country rock. Um, I'm not big on country pop, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I just, I do what I feel. I've got another song that I'm doing next, uh, the next time I go into the studio and it's called burn it down. And it's similar, not similar to given damn, but it has still has that just real heavy drive, um, real heavy beat. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those that like, you want to scream at the top of your lungs, like, burn it down. you know, it's, it's a really cool song. I like it. But then I have a couple more coming out that are softer. Um, like my newest release that came out a couple of weeks ago called Back When, it's Mormon acoustic type. So okay. when I'm writing, it's almost like, um, what am I feeling at the moment? So sometimes I'm all over the place. But if I had to put it in a style, it's more kind of like a in your face. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna like that one's called Giving a Damn, Don't Go with My Outfit. And it basically like is it. just yeah, it basically is like, I don't care what you think, I'm gonna be me. And I like it. it. I like it a lot. What you think doesn't go with anything I'm doing. My bling, my clothes, my hair. I don't care if you like it. And that's kind girl. of my mantra. My like, you know, I'm going to be me and authentically me. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. Um, well, tell for, for, tell folks how, if they want to find your music, uh, should they just go and stream it or should it go website? Tell us how to find everything we want about Pamela Hopkins. So I, I direct the easiest thing is just to go to my website, which is www.pamelahopkinsmusic.com. Uh, you could find my YouTube links, my Facebook link, my Instagram link, everything is there. If you Google me, I'm the first thing that shows up and it shows up as a musical artist. So, and I'll also put those links in the, uh, in the, uh, the, uh, notes for the show. So anybody that's listening, they can click on the show and get those links as well. And and I tell people, you know, the best way to support independent music is buy their merch, um, buy their CDs, stream, stream, stream. The bad thing about streaming is I say bad thing, good thing, whatever you want to say. Um, each time you stream a song, it pays the artist point zero zero two cents. Not much. So you got to do a lot of streams. Right. So given a damn, don't go with my outfit. That particular song has 530,000 streams on Spotify, but that equates to about do the math. 500 bucks. <laughs> it cost me 2000. Not, <laughs> not, not enough to buy you a nice outfit, huh? <laughs> well, and then I have to, then I have to share that with the writer. So it's not like I get all the money for it. It's, you know, I do public, I'm own publishing company, um, which is PDP publishing. So I publish my own music as well. Um, but you know, I also have to share that a third of a third of that. Cause if I write with two other writers, they get a third. Right. Everything that goes on. So that point zero zero two, which is, you know, what a, a tenth of a penny, twentieth of a penny, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Something. It ain't Eighth, much. Fifth of a penny. I don't know. It's <laughs> not a lot. Still is divided three ways. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man. So if you go on, you know, to my website and like I've got given a damn, don't go mouth at merch. I've got hats, I've got water bottles, I've got everything. Um, so if that's something you relate to and something you're like, you know what, given a damn, don't go my outfit either. Buy the merch because that's how you support us more than streaming our music. Stream our music, obviously, because we need the numbers. I need to be able to show I have fans and sure. that people are listening. So I think um, as of yesterday, I was up to like 16,000 
monthly listeners, which as an independent artist is good because I don't have somebody, I push it out and my management, you know, guy, he helps push it out as well. So, um, when you're doing it on your own, you barely, I mean, I look at artists that are around here that, um, have awards and they have mm-hmm. seven listeners a month. And I'm like, how come I have 16,000 and no awards? You have seven and you have all the awards. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. But, something ain't adding up right well, here. Well, and it's, you know, it, it just, it's a personal taste thing or it's politics or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just keep pressing on. I'm going to keep writing, keep doing my thing. And like I said, the lucky thing about me is that I have a house gig that pays me well, um, well enough that I can kind of support my solo career enough that I'm allowed to do it. I say allowed and it doesn't take too much out of my household income. So I can use my tip money that I mm-hmm. make or whatever. And that's how I pay for my recording in you know, but independent artists, we're the whole, <laughs> you know, like it's none of us are making great money, generally speaking, unless we're doing right. gigs a lot, but, um, and it's still sometimes not that great, but it's what we love to do. And yeah. I, this is my, my passion. It's what I love. It's probably what I will do to the day I die or till I can no longer sing. Well, the so. good news about kind of today's times is that with all of the digital and social media, it's a lot easier for you to get it out. Now, as you just illustrated, it still is very difficult to make big money, right? but you can get it out now and get it in front of folks. And hopefully, you know, you get that lucky break where the right person hears it or or it goes viral or whatever. That's what we're trying to, you know, what you try to do is you want the right person here or having even just a small, you know, fan club that if I wanted to tour, I can go to say, you know, 20 cities, um, 30 cities in a year and play, and people buy my merchandise that helps support me, you know, so I can put out more music and absolutely um, support the, I say support my habit <laughs> you know, <laughs> What's of, a good of doing that because each song for me, because I pay for a well-produced song. Um, when I've done studio time, I've done a video that's on YouTube. Like I've got official music videos on a Vivo channel. So um, it's Pamela Hopkins Vivo. You want to see the official music videos for my last few songs. And I've got another one that's going to come out probably in the next month for my newest release back when, um, that we haven't recorded yet, but we're about to work, start working on. But, um, those, by the time I've done that, I've paid my PR guy, I've, you know, paid to have recorded, I've paid for advertising. I've done the video. I mean, I'm looking at $2,000 a song Yeah. and for me to make $500 of it back, I'm still 1500 in the hole. So yeah, it helps right. if you buy a hat from me or a shirt for right. me, you right. know, or come to my show. So if you're anywhere near, when you see my, you know, my schedules on my, on my webpage or you go to Spotify, my schedule's always on Spotify. You can click it and it'll show you where I'm going to be and what dates. And if I'm near you, please come see me and tell me, you know, tell, tell me that you heard me on your show. <laughs> I'll Absolutely. give you a 10% yeah, you, discount. <laughs> go out there and you support it. That's right. Tell her, tell her that you heard her on nine one. What? Yeah. But thank you so much you for joining. I'm going to give you the choice. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I'll need it. And they'll need it too. Um, yeah. I'm going to give you a choice. When we, I'm going to go out to your music instead of my normal music. Do you want me to finish up uh give it a damn? Or do you want to play back when I'm, I'm going to let you choose that back when's my newest, give it a damn's great too. So it's, you know, either one back when's fun too, though. It's a good clap along song. Let's do, let's do that one. And then there you go. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, I, my guest today is Miss Pamela Hopkins. Pamela, He's thank you so much. Thank you. It was bicycle swings and some friends. Didn't come home to the street lights came on. Then it was summertime, PJs and cartoons at dawn. Oh, sitting here thinking about the 
Thanks for listening to 9-1-What? We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have comments or suggestions, please email us at 911.podcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Carlos Bailbonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates for making this episode possible. 